Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Gate 7 International by the fans, for the fans. I'm Costa. I'm joined by Labro Sirmos, who's checking in from Greece, back from the beach. Inside story, uh, Labro was actually going to ditch me and let me do this show alone because he said uh, an hour in the taxi and the sun and the heat in Athens was too much for him. Is that more than dealing with three kids running around the house in the heat in Brussels? I don't know. Maybe, Maybe the fans have a view on that. <laughs> Check out the comments already going off. Uh, some people are, you know, they're livid here. It's like, look at my eyes, DC. These guys never on time, he says. And Jonas Madsen rightly points out it's a Greek show. It would be weird if it was on time. Lab, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Like you said, I went to the the beach today, spent the whole day out. I'm overheated. I have my bottle of water. I took a cold shower. But the traffic coming from the south of Athens to the center on a Sunday night is so bad. Never again. Never again. Um, the beach and water was pretty bad as well. We kept driving south to try and better water, but it was a little vromico, let's say. But it's all good. We had nice food. Everything's good. I'm in Athens. I'm hydrated, ready to talk about Olympiakos basketball. And that, that that bottle looks extra chilled. Like you can see the like. The oh, I, I went to the kiosk. I, I I went all the way to the back of the fridge. I was like, so. old school tricks. Big up to Gus Drax as well. The music that you hear, the intro music on this show that you hear, it's by this fantastic hunk of a man. Gosta, Gus, thanks very much. Again, big ups to Gus Drax um, for the fantastic intro. It's our honor and our pleasure. Great to see lots of you tuning in already from different parts of the world. Let us know where you're writing us from, where you're listening from, whether it's in Greece, or what part of Greece, whether it's Australia, US, Germany, Central Europe, wherever it is, guys, like drop it in the chat there. Always great to see where you guys are chiming in from. If you're not subscribed already, make sure to hit that button. Hit the bell as well so that you get notifications for whenever a new episode is up. We go live every Sunday. Got some cool content coming up. We've told you before about interview with someone from inside the club, some um, some amateur sports reps of Olympiagos as well. So keep up to date with Gate 7 International and everything that's going on around Olympiagos. Well, it's um, 2nd of July. The transfer window is officially open since yesterday. Uh, but I thought we'd start today a little bit a little bit differently. Uh, normally dive straight into football. It's been a big couple of days uh, with the basketball team, in particular with news that Sasha Vazenkov finally, um, finally made the decision. He's going to be moving to the NBA to play for Sacramento. Uh, Labro, you're quite into basketball. Um, me too. So I think we let, let, let's take the opportunity because I think this is very much on the mind of all Olympiacos fans. What's uh, what's happening with the team? Uh, Bezenkov off. What happens now? Slukas having a big meeting tomorrow to decide whether he's it will determine whether he stays or whether he leaves for a second time. What do you make of the whole Bezenkov thing? Like, do you, do you think he can cut it? You think he can hack it in the NBA? I I think he can. I think. Um... 
I, I also think Sacramento is a really good team with Fox and Sabonis pick and roll. I think also they play a very clean tactical type basketball. It's not really, yeah, typical NBA one man dominates. There's quite a lot of movement, passing, shooting. So I think he'll get a ton of looks for three. He'll probably play him at the four, Sabonis at the five at times. And yeah, just use him as a spacer. Um, and I think for him, it's a, it's a good opportunity as well. Sacramento, if he, let's say he was going to Houston or Charlotte, let's say it would, it would be bad, but I think Sacramento has a strong base. They had a good season last year. Mike Brown is a great coach. I honestly, since the beginning, I thought it would be a mistake if he didn't go. I know that's hard to hear for Olympiacos fans, but I think Vezenkov is going to have a is is going to have a good experience. Maybe that's going to come back to bite me, but the type of play, the passing, the three point shooting, um, and and the players around him more, also having Sabonis as a European guy to help him out a bit. I think it's I think it's a good environment for him to excel. It was sad, of course, to hear him he's leaving Olympiacos, but. I, I can't blame him. I can't be mad at him. I can't anything because I think it's the right decision. And I think now is the time at 27 to, to give it a go. So, Yeah, I think, you know, when the opportunity comes calling and you're at that age as well, I think if he if he decided to say no and, you know, go with his heart as opposed to go with his with his brain on this one, then, you know, maybe he regrets it later on. But at least he's, you know, he's he's going to take the plunge now and... I think it was now or never for him. And in all honesty, you know, my reaction to it was also, I mean, I, I won't say, you know, I was happy, but I was happy for him. You know, I think I think he he deserves it. But also just in general, I I feel confident with the state of the organization in the in, in the in the basketball division, the coach. Um I I'm I feel confident that we'll find a way to not necessarily like replace him but we'll find a way to manage and adapt to to all these to these challenges or the challenge of losing him um so no you're you're right i think from what little i i know less about the nba than you but from what i've heard it's a team that likes to move the ball they play more a european type basketball than an nba they they do that's they don't play isolation all the time, let's say. Like there's good ball know. movement, space movement, um, spacing. And Mike Brown came to see him, I think, a number of times, if not him specifically, but he sent people to watch him during the uh, the playoffs against Fener. Um, you know, they had staff at the final four. So no, I wish uh, I think I wish Sasha the, the best of luck. He signed a three-year three-year deal in the end, around $20 million. It's been some talk about the offer not being very far from what he would have got if he stayed in in Greece, but we've also put out on socials that the, the, the US tax system is is quite complex. Uh, maybe you can speak to this more, more than I can, but if you have a good accountant, he's going to be making a, a fair bit more than he would have here. I think we were looking to offer him $2.5 million a season net for for four years some some outlets were saying but still at the end of the day the decision's not 
not motivated solely by money, but by the great opportunity that's being put there in front of him. Um, you got anything else to say on that? No, I think that's right. I think it's a good opportunity. It's an it's a playoff team too. It's not like again you're going to some shitty team that has a good infra. He has good infrastructure, new stadium. They have a strong fan base in Sacramento too. Um, the team almost left for Seattle almost seven eight years ago, but they ended up building a beautiful stadium. There's a good energy. So I think that's right. And the stuff about the the tax system, people were saying he's only going to make three million net. It's completely false. Um, the, the American tax system is weird in a way where we have so many exceptions. Like if you're traveling or if you pay this or you pay that or anyway, I'm not an accountant, but I know he'll make way more than 3.5 million. The teams provide the players with accountants who do this stuff. And there's tax loopholes. If you guys follow any American politics, it's constantly like like this you know it's not like in europe where you receive your salary and the tax is out and that's it it's every march basically we have to do tax season where you file taxes and your accountant tries to take some money back that the government will pay you and 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 when you're making the money uh when you're making that money and you have a good accountant you make the money back trust me this is the big debate in the u.s rich people don't pay as much taxes as Maybe they should because we have all these loopholes in the system. But regardless, I think I think it's a good decision from his part. I wish him all the best. I'm going to be following him and the Kings this season. And another thing to note is I've been reading a lot that a lot of NBA teams are looking for EuroLeague tested players this year. Um, in the U.S., we, we have a bit of a backlog of college players because of COVID. Usually in the U.S., you go for four years into college because of COVID, because of some some other things, you have guys who are about 24 coming out because they had to stay a year extra or another year. So you have college players that are around the same age, maybe a bit younger than some tested, um, you know, some tested uh, players uh, in college. So you saw Misich leave. I saw Eddie Tavares is maybe negotiating a contract. You see Dante Exum, who failed pretty bad in the NBA. Is heading back. There's a demand. Right? There's demand right now in the NBA for for guys who've played in big games, who are a decent age, and you know these aren't minimum contracts. If an NBA team is giving you eight, nine million dollars a year, that's that's above the mid level exception. You're you're eating their cap space for a player who's never been to the NBA. That's a big freaking risk. Like they're not giving him the minimum or three, $4 million. They're giving him money. For example, Alex Len, who's been 10 years in the NBA center, went to Maryland, first round pick. The Kings brought him down, back on a minimum deal. So it just shows some, and a lot of NBA guys are, an uh, example, Russell Westbrook got a two-year, $7 million contract. Vizankov got three years, $20 million. I know different stages in the career, whatever, but just, just to show you the... That it's not a joke contract. It's not a joke, right? Uh, NBA teams, they're taking EuroLeague more seriously like the last couple of years, for sure. And you look at, okay, Vazenkov was the MVP, regular season MVP this season. I think last year it was Miritich. We're, we're going to talk about him in a little while. 
Um, Misic, obviously, I think I think he was the finals MVP last he, year. Then he uh, tear his he tore his knee up last year, right? Bravo. And, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Misic, and they're still giving him a big contract in Oklahoma. So exactly. Yeah, so he's gone to Oklahoma. Um, Tavares is wanted by Portland's Trailblazers, but I heard like Damian Lillard wants out. He wants to move. Um, he wants to go Miami. to he wants to go to yeah, Miami. They have a shit trade package, so it doesn't make sense. But yeah. maybe they'll find a way. You know. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Menze says greetings from Dubai. Let's go, Libiakara. Fantastic. Um, I think this is a new sub. Thank you for joining, my friend. So, who replaces Vizenkov? Um, okay, let, let's not beat around the bush. So the name's been out already, and you know some people are already saying Nikola Mirotic is going to be replacing Sasha. Um, what do you think of this? I, I mean, we all know. I think we all know who Mirotic is. So like Montenegrin, but Spanish international. He's played for the Bulls. Uh, played for the Bucks. I think he played for the Pelicans too, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, was a um, Real Madrid legend played, you know, we all know what he can do. He can, I think for me, he's the closest thing to a Vizenkov replacement because of his his shooting ability behind the arc. But they're looking at, you know, the, the, the rumor is three million a season net over two years. I don't remember ever paying that kind of contract. To a player, and let's not forget, we're going to be getting a one and a half million buyout for Vizenkov, and that's split two ways between Sacramento and, and Sasha. They pay that to the club, so that's one and a half million that we have to to give salary wise, plus Vizenkov's contract, which is which is gone. Uh, what do you think about this? No, I think Miritich is. I, I liked him in the NBA. I, I think everyone in the U.S., if you ask them what they remember about Miritich, okay, the NBA heads will tell you he was a decent role player. Got offered a big con- – I remember when he went to Barcelona, he was offered a big contract in the NBA and turned it down to come back to Europe because he – I, I forget if he – it was – if it was he missed life in Europe. There were stories about this because I think – Maybe it was the Jazz or the Pacers. I don't remember now. Offered him a pretty big contract, like almost sixty million over four years, and he said no. Um, but Miritich is okay. I remember him for Bobby Portis breaking his jaw in Chicago. I think that's what most NBA NBA fans will remember. Bobby Portis punched him in the face and broke his jaw in like three places. Um, but I. I will also say about Miritich, he's a good player who can make his own shot. Um, I, I look forward to seeing to seeing if he comes because Miritich can make can make his own shot, unlike Vizenkov, in my opinion. He's good off the dribble. He can pull up. He can. He's not like a Vizenkov was a fantastic player, but he needed ball handlers and creators around him a bit. I think. He couldn't, he's not someone who's going to take you off the dribble and create your own shot. So Miritich, I think, can provide a bit of that late game. I'm going to take the game. I'm going to take the last shot. Um, so I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. No, I always, I mean, I think we all know he's an elite shooter. Um, that's certainly how I have him in my 
in my mind don't really remember much in terms of one-on-one going you know shooting off the dribble whether it was mid-range or or behind the three-point line but he's a big you know big name obviously I think as far as names go in the EuroLeague I think he's one of the biggest if not the biggest in the four position so uh, the issue now of course is that he's trying to break his contract at Barcelona. There are financial issues there. I think they owe him. He's trying to get 22 million over the next two seasons. Something ridiculous. So he's still under contract at Barcelona, as far as I'm aware, but there have been some... Uh, the latest reports from an Israeli journalist that tweeted out that there's there have been conversations already, and this Israeli journalist is not the only one to make claims that Miritich has spoken with the coach and that there are could be uh, an alleged, let's say, pre-accord in place and that he's just waiting to get released from from Barcelona. Uh, we have some mixed views uh, in the in the comments about Miritic. Uh, good friend, Lagis Gavalas. <laughs> Miritic is retired, doesn't know it. And then on the other hand, you've got Andreas Mitzi saying, Miritic is a great replacement for Zenkov in theory. No doubt about that great scorer of course at the end of the day you know he has to sign first and then let's you know let's see him on the court there's a funny tweet as well from from our good friend manos who's asking labro what will you be doing on august 10th do you want to play do you want to play do you want to play striker against servet labro we're going to come back to that because uh Labro actually lived in in Switzerland in Geneva for some time, and actually Labro might have uh, timed out, or is he still there? You're still there. Um, mm-hmm. and- no, my wife is not great in this room, so I may drop at times. Sorry, or in advance. Yeah, no, I was just bringing up uh, Lab uh, Manos's comment about Servet and whether you want to play centre forward on the 10th of August. Because I'll right be now- there. I'll, I'll be in Geneva. I'll be there for the game because I'm looking forward. I'm already booking a ticket, so. Yeah, but he's asking you, are you ready to play centre forward on the 10th? Because it doesn't look like we... <laughs> right now, well, we're, going to, we're going to pre-season with Yusef Al-Arabi and... Uh, I, I, and I do have a Greek passport, so, you know, for registration purposes, uh, it works. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. Another one from, from Spain. Greetings from Alicante, España, from Bill96. Good to have you on the show, Bill. Um... All right, so we've talked, we talked Vazenkov, we talked Miritic. The other big one is, of course, Kostas Lukas. So we mentioned before that Slukas is meeting with the uh, Agelopoli, the brothers, tomorrow. Um, this is a super divisive one. It's like people, I feel like a lot of people are pissed off with Slukas. Um there is a, I mean, he's been open in the media about not being happy with his role. Um, it's hard to find a good playmaker in Europe nowadays. Like, if you lose Slukas, who do you go for to replace him? Galathis. Who, like, who, who's who's yeah. who's available on the market like, to replace him? You go him? for Dorsey and you run Cannon at the one who's... But so, so 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 that's the thing. Like, okay, um, I don't think it, there's any point us speculating whether or not whether or not he stays or not. We're gonna we're gonna see tomorrow what happens. And and yeah, 
you don't go for a like for like point guard is it seems is the the answer and they're going to go for a two guard or a combo guard someone like Tyler Dorsey somebody that has a greek passport um Dorsey has a uh, contract with Fener Fener who wants Lucas would they let Tyler Dorsey go if Lucas joins Fenerbahce but then we all know that Tyler Dorsey's agent is apparently not really on doesn't really like us but for me Tyler Dorsey played his best basketball under Barzokas clear clear for me I, I'm I'm still I'm still on the fence about Dorsey as a not as a player but like his mentality is he going to come again and sign a one-year contract and want an NBA out and then go and take a two-way contract and drop to the G League and then be looking for another team again in, in two years or like a year and a half's time? Uh, if if that dude gets it in his head that he can be an elite EuroLeague player, I think there's something there. But otherwise, I don't know about your opinion, Labra, but when he was playing for us and when he played for the Greek national team in the Euro last summer, I saw a player who in the big games he didn't do it didn't do what Costas Lucas would do in a big game for me, like hit a game winning shot with the clock winding down. He did it in the regular season, he was dropping what 15, 15 points, averaging 15 points. But I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not sure about him. Like if his head's in the right place like the mentality, if he can fix that, and again, I think the determining factor is he has to decide. Is it, it, it's over? Like the NBA dream is over for him. Like it's it's Euroleague. Sign a two three year contract, play, and become an elite player here. And you're still young. Like Vazenkov's going to the NBA at age 27, 28. Go later. If you've built yourself up, I don't know. Like that's my that's my view on on Dorsey and on Cannon. I just wonder if we if we lose Lucas and we go for Dorsey, do you try to get somebody better than Cannon, like somebody that's more of a combo guard? Um, I don't know. Those are some some thoughts. Yeah. Personally, I've I don't enjoy this media tour. Like, what what even is this? Where he's going and he's talking to everyone about not being satisfied with his role. The guy is 33. The team almost won the Euro League. So so what is his idea? Like if he had a bigger role, the team would win the Euro League, would have won the league by more. Like what's his point? The team is going so well. Is he really going to crash it all down because he thinks he's not getting the big minutes? I, I don't understand it. Personally... Personally, I like Slukas as a player, but I wouldn't be upset with going with Dorsey, Cannon, Walkup, Goss. I think that's a solid backcourt. And if you if you take Mirotic, that's the guy you want taking the last shot. Him and Cannon are your last shot guys. So I'm saying to myself, okay, if Slukas leaves and you bring him, bring Dorsey, I think it's okay. Personally, I think it's okay. And the attitude of going, um, the attitude of of dragging this out, going for your holiday, then meeting with the presidents is such bullshit. 
like complete bullshit. You're holding the team a bit by the balls. It's kind of, it's kind of bullshit. I don't know all the facts, but it seems absurd to me. Um, and the thing about Dorsey is um, people are upset about Vizenkov going to the NBA, but then you look at someone like Dorsey, who's never going to make it in the NBA and the guy goes and he says, I'm going to go. And I like Alec Peters as the backup for someone just made the comment. Um, I think he's going to be so much better next season. I really, you see that jumper super clean. He knows how to play basketball. He, he's good with the fundamentals. Give him another year in the system. I honestly think the team doesn't need Lucas. I, if you go for Dorsey, um, I think you're okay. But because Goss, I'm going to be real here. I told you, I don't like Kalathis. I also do not like Goss. I never really liked Goss. I, I'm not a huge fan of his. Even back from when he played for Gonzaga, um, his jumper is mediocre. His playmaking is pretty good, but his three-point jumper is pretty shit. So I'm, I'm a bit more cool on him. I know a lot of people do like him, but it, it's just a shame. Like, Slukas can stay and create a legacy and go win this team, the EuroLeague, next season or be the captain and help it. So why throw it all away to go back to Fener? It's a shame to play four more minutes a game, man. Like, it's a shame. Anyway. I, I agree with you in a sense that I think the media has been, they, they've just found something there, you know, from his, his comments and they've tried to perhaps make it bigger than it is to make a story out of it. Um, some people are saying like, you know, Slukas, now that Vizenkov's gone, you need to show that you love the team and, I think he showed he loved the team when he came back in 2015. I mean, they gave him a good contract. Um, but, you know, we were we were not in a good shape when he signed the contract to come back that season in, 20, I think, 2015. Oh, no, sorry, uh, 20, 2018. So, uh, you know, I, I've also heard barjoka speaking in this sport 24 interview with um diamandopoulos and he was saying you know at the end of the day all players have ego like big like especially like the big time players they have an ego and they want to play more they want more minutes they want the ball in their hands it's perfectly normal in that sense that he you know he might come out and make comments in that direction it's like that's what you expect from those kinds of players um but i i I keep some of the comments of Bardokas in that interview where he said, Slukas is playing the same amount of minutes he was at Fener. And that was more than three years ago. He's playing the same minutes and he's three years older. And he might not be starting games, but he always ends them. He's always... Yeah, he's taken the last shot how many times, yeah. you know? But he's always. I, I remember in the, the final, end. he's the guy who took the last shot. Even though, personally, if I have the last shot of the game, I'm not fucking giving the shot to Slukas. I know he made the one in Fener, but personally, I don't like I, I Isaiah Cannon is. If there's three seconds on the clock, I want Isaiah Cannon taking a fadeaway jump shot instead of Slukas. That's maybe bias on my end, but. Slukas is, again, like I said, he, he he's there at the end. 
when when the big shot came multiple times, he's the guy who Bartokas draws the play up to take the big shot. So I don't get what we're talking about here about the role and bullshit. Like, like who's going to be on the court at the end of a game with the roster? Nigel William Goss is not closing games out for Olympiacos next season. It's going to be walk up. It'll be Slukas. It'll be a mix of Papa Nicolau. You'll take hopefully Mirotic at the four and fall, or you'll you'll play small and do something different, right? Three, three guards like Cannon, Slukas, yeah. Dorsey, something like that. So we'll see, right? So it's like I I don't get what what he's playing at here personally. Um, yeah, well, anyway. we're gonna find out by by the tomorrow. end of tomorrow. tomorrow. Exactly. So he can go. Maybe he misses Ithudis or something. I don't know. Like, let's oh, see. Oh, God, don't mention that guy. The best was when he brought out the laptop. Did you see this video from Turkey? Yeah, I did. I did. Fuck me. That was epic. That's like <laughs> such. God damn that's it. Such a, that's such a that, Vazula that was, thing. It's such a Vazula Panathinaikos thing to do, man. Like, yeah. go out like, He's like, Look. hold on. Do you see my Dell laptop here? Zoom in, please. Bro, what? Oh, what are you doing? Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll find out what happens with Lucas tomorrow. That's obviously going to have a big bearing on um, what happens with the roster. And uh, 5th of July, by the way, if the team doesn't want to keep Isaiah Cannon or for whatever reason we don't want to keep Isaiah Cannon, uh, we need to tell him before the 5th of July. And the 5th of July, his contract gets automatically renewed for another season. Uh, if you ask me, I think Isaiah Cannon's, um, he's uh, he's deserving of a spot on the roster next season. I think his attitude was fantastic at the end. Like normally an American player that would be dropped from the Greek squad, uh, like he was, would get Such up Such a leave. mistake as well. Such a mistake. Uh, okay, that's a dis- different discussion, but another can of worms. But I, yeah. I personally, I like Cannon as a player because he can make his own shot. You know, like fuck it, you're down three. Like the guy's got the ball, he's in a pick and roll, and he can just boom, he hits it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. sometimes he's... you just need that. You just and sometimes he'll go cold, and that's fine. That's when you play Goss. That's when you rotate a bit, but that ability to heat up and hit big shots it's it's important and yeah. his defense has been really good big man he's yeah. he's got a, he was not he was... known for that in in the states like that was his one thing main thing it's like can't play defense no but i think uh you know in the post when he's playing when he, you know even when they mismatch him he's a strong guy like he's got a low center of gravity and he's quite muscular but I mean, I think Isaiah Cannon really, you know, got into the hearts of the Olympiacos fans towards the end of the season. Um, it was, <laughs> I think there were a lot of Isaiah Cannon haters during the season, actually. And when we were getting to the the final four, before the final four, the playoffs, and I mean, in the final, I think he dropped 16, 20 points, didn't he? I was yeah, really that's lit. when you need him, right? Like, exactly. That's like in the big him. games, yeah. in the big games, he showed up. And like when we played Fener, it, there was a bit of a Dorsey versus Cannon vibe going on. And I think he, like for me, he clearly won that. He clearly smoked them. That. What are you talking yeah. about? He was awesome in Game Five. That was... And I that's the thing: don't do this shit. Do not give up on the player after a year. You know, like 
give him another year in the system and watch him fly. Like, let, watch him fly. It's the same with Peters. It's the same with okay. Peters. Watch him next season. I'm Maybe I'll eat my words and he'll come back to this, but I feel very confident because his fundamentals are very good. Like, it's, I, I'm confident he'll be good. And Vezenko, so I guess his role will be a bit bigger. So let's see. Let's see. Andreas Mitzis wants Evan Fournier to finally join Olympiacos. Uh, in my opinion, that's a bit of uh, Marcelo signing. <laughs> uh, have you uh, has has anyone seen Evan Fournier? He's like a dead carcass in New York, man. Is he still playing for the Knicks? Yeah, well, he's not playing, but yeah, he's in New York. <laughs> he's like a dead body, man. They like wheel him out. <laughs> <laughs> eating budget. What what is this guy Evan Fournier like? Oh my god. Maybe he'd be good here. I don't know, but like he doesn't play anymore. He doesn't play. He doesn't play. Yeah. Well, uh anyway, moving on. Guys, um we're going to move into football now. If you haven't liked uh yet, uh, more than 60, 70 of you watching us live right now, hit that like button. It really helps with the algorithm to spread the show around to different uh different viewers. We want more Olympiagos fans from all over the world to join the community. So please do hit that like button if you haven't done so already. Subscribe if you're joining us. Uh, actually, a lot of people that watch the show aren't subscribed. We've seen from some of the data. So guys, if you like what, you, uh, what you're listening to, um, show some appreciation. Subscribe, hit the bell. Don't miss any, any future content. And with that, let's move to football. Uh, I feel like... What's happened in 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 the footballing world? And uh, hang on, I want to bring up a comment, which is a bit provocative. Not this one, uh, another one further up from NP. I think this is a new sub. Thanks for joining, mate. Do you think Olibiagos official reporters are angry they don't get any leaks from the team, and that's the reason they complain? Cordon is slow. Um, we've talked a little bit about this in our in our group chat. Haven't we, love? Not necessarily that Sport FM or any Olympiacos journalists are angry or, or whatever. I just feel like you know, one thing we've definitely said to each other is that this guy, this sporting director, he likes to work in the shadows. He likes to keep it tight in, an, in a closed circle. And the information about transfer targets and what's going on isn't getting out to the press and it's fresh. I can understand it might be frustrating for reporters. Maybe, maybe this is a good thing, uh, but, but it does make it boring listening to this, listening and reading the same stuff every day. Um, I'm not sure like these names that we're reading are real, like Darder, De Frutos. We're going to pay 5 million euro for De Frutos. A guy that's played in like in Segunda for the last two seasons, and Darder, who's worth, you know, he's got you know fifty million release clause normally. Yes, it's down to ten now, and it might go up to fifteen. But this guy's wanted by half of La Liga. We need players now, and Cordon said the best deals happen at the end of August, but we need players now. Um, Let's let's air it out here live on the show. How are we feeling about this? 
the the teams go into preseason training in well, three days. They're flying to Austria. We haven't signed any players. The media's been going crazy hullabaloo about us uh, going to Austria with a with a centre back, uh, a new midfielder, and an attacker, and no one's there yet. What you got? What do I got? I, I, I think it is frustrating to not see signings um, or even rumors of signings. I feel like Nikos Kotsis has like gone out of business this summer. He's like, shit. You know, he's like, no midnight tweets from me, um, which is disappointing for him. Um, but, you, you know, I think Cordon showed his cards a bit about this August is the best month, you know, that's when the transfers happen. When I'm reading the situation, what I, what I'm trying to see is I think they, they think the body of the team as it is now is good enough to get them into Europe. And so they're going to put the pieces together and just try to push that into Europe, you know, Maybe they'll sign two people before Servette, three people, but I don't think it's going to be a mountain. I think what the goal here, if I'm reading the situation, I think they're going to go Pascal Exingol, they're going to go Rodine, they're going to go Doi and Ba, given they're their superstars with the jersey. Jesus fucking Christ. You know your club's in the shitter when Ba and Doi are your freaking shirt like the leading salespeople for the shirt. No offense to them. No offense to them. Anyway, um, Rayabchuk, and then I think they'll go Buhalakis Huang, and then whatever up front. I think they think, which is correct, that the current body of the squad is good enough to get them into the Conference League, at least. Yeah. And so they're saying, Let's get into the conference. Let's go with this body. Let's put it together. Let's gel it. And let's roll these guys out. Because what what some people don't understand is Servette is a very mediocre side. Like very, very average side. Crevelli, who was the starting striker of Bakashir a few years ago when we played, was like one of the bigger signings of Servette last year. He's like four years older, already was quite old in Turkey. Um, th- one of their big signings this summer was the backup left back of Aris Maziku, Maziku, I think his name was. So Servette is a team. Let me put it this way. The fans, they don't get more than 4,000 fans in the stadium. People in Geneva don't really care about the football team. So, so the goal is here, like, like, let me put it this way. Pep BL would be one of the best players that, has been into Servette in 20 years. Fortunis would probably be one of the best players in the, the history of the club. They, they had Carambe at the end of his career. They had some good, but in the modern history of Servette, like this will shock some of you, but like some of these players that we have would be some of their best players in years. They got into Europe this season in the Champions League because Basel had a bad year. Zurich, who won the title, had a bad year. Young boys ran away with the with the thing and with the title and it was a battle for second it was basically neck and neck till the last day and they got it last day but when i tell you servette is not a great team that's the fact of the matter so the plan of the team i have no information Clichy left as well 
And what I'll tell you as well, when I would go to Servette games, I would go to six or seven a year the past few years. Clichy was such a joy to watch still at 37 years old. Fantastic player. Um, even when he played, I think he played against Olympiacos as well for Basakshir. I don't remember. But anyway, um, the idea is let's build a strong body and let's go for the qualifiers and then let's get the signings in in August. We don't want to overpay for shitty Spanish players, which are going to cost a lot in July, just to sign them. So I think that's the plan. Also, you need to remember that the Greek transfer window ends September 15th. The amount of deals Olympiacos is going to cook with Cordon September 1 to September 15 is going to be massive. Like, remember, we signed essentially Bakambu, Hamas was... Marcelo as well, because of this weird transfer window where all the windows are closed in Europe except Belgium, Turkey, and us. So if you're in Europa League and you can present a project, some very good players can be signed because teams are desperate, etc. So my my reading of Cordon is he says, let's make a body. Diego Martinez is a good coach. We have it there. Maybe we sign a striker. Maybe we sign a six. But that's it. And we try to make a team. We try to build the relationship with the back line and go for it. That's my reading. I don't uh, I don't see any other explanation for this, you know, because I think if I'm being honest, you can very easily pass Servette with the team you have. And then you're playing with house money in the, the, the playoff. So I think that's if we fail to pass Servette, Diego Martinez is going to be in so much trouble because it, it, it's it's they're significantly worse than than Haifa was last season as well. It's going to be Victor and Sanchez all over again if he if we get knocked out. I promise you, if Olympiacos gets knocked out in a stadium of th- with three thousand people in Geneva, um, it can't happen. It can't happen. So yeah, yeah. Well. I think you know. I agree with your take. We haven't. I can't. So just the names are bullshit to me. Paul Akwaku, like an African player with no European passport, and we. I was looking at it the other day. We have nine foreign players in the team. Can't name all of them now, but you. You, you know, bar. Bar's going to play, or Cisse is going to play, or both. Um, will Agibu Kamara have a role? Will Algasim Bar have a role? Rodine is a foreigner. Ramon is a foreigner. There are a lot of foreigners in the team, and are going to go and buy more African players, and that's an issue like that we have in the squad. Yeah, that, let, let's not let's not try and you know put that put that aside. That's why I think that not a lot of the names we're hearing are just absolute bullshit and my big worry is up front that's the problem up front front. you can you can maybe go and and beat Servette with El Arabi but from what I have understood from this coach he's a defense begins from attack kind of coach he wants to play a high press in all the teams he's been, he wants his striker to press the defenders into the corner and he wants the team to push the team 
into into the corners. So you can't do that with Youssef El Arabi. Even if you gamble on Al Ghassim Bar, Al Ghassim Bar isn't coming back from AFCON until after preseason in Austria because Guinea's got to the semi final of AFCON under 23. So he's out. We've literally got El Arabi and a 16 year old wonder kid, Babis Costullas. Or what? You're going to go with Pep Biel as a fake nine? We talked, I asked Ari on the show when we were talking about the manager. Like, can you see this happening? Ari said, no, can't see that happening with BL. BL is going to be the 10. And we know that that there have been conversations between Cordon and, and Martinez and they want to put a big like onus on him. They want him to be the player that we signed last year. We want BL to be that player. So, he's a Spanish guy. He's He scored the goals last season. He, he had decent statistics last season. He, he can't not be the guy, you know? If you're Martinez and Cordon, you know this guy, BL. You speak the language. You can call him into your office and be like, look, like, you're our guy. You're, you're our guy, you know? And I think that's probably what they did. I, I think they probably told him, like, you're going to be the guy. We need you to be the guy. And yeah, we'll see. But yeah, they need a striker, man. They need a striker before August 10th. Costas Lianos made a good point. Um, Costa, good evening. Um, y- yes, they need. This is the difficult part. Do you overpay for a striker or sign a mediocre striker who in September may be? useless let's say not useless but you know what i mean when when you can sign a bakambu in september 5th because he's on big money and marseille is freaking out that they can't offload him and then you have guerrero there from july you're in does that make sense you know let, let me i mean let, first let me read Costa's comment for those that are listening on audio um Costa Liano says i think the main reason transfers are taking too long is because the new manager signing took too long first qualifier takes place august 10th plenty of time no way we won't have one signing then um also Costa says Olympiacos don't sell key players during qualifiers unlikely players like huang and, and biel will be sold soon there are some rumors or there were rumors about biel being wanted by uh, the likes of Mallorca, some other Spanish teams. And Juan, today I've been reading, uh, there's a lot of interest from Bundesliga, Freiburg, uh, Eintracht. Um, Eintracht, might, Eintracht might sell their striker, the French international, and they might get a lot of money. Um, so Turam, they, Marcus Turam? Or no, no, no. Nuani, I can't remember his name. Um, oh, uh, the one from the World Cup? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that one. So they might get a lot of money for him and they may be willing to pay what we're asking, which is close to 15 million is what I've heard. But again, I don't I don't see Huang being sold, certainly not in the qualifiers. I think Costa's absolutely right. But I, if they're going to make one signing, I'll say this, Colomwani, thank you, Lagis. Um, if we're going to make one signing before we go to Austria, and I know that's literally the day after tomorrow, Wednesday, you need to make. You need to sign a striker. You need to sign a striker. Hell, you can be. You, you must be able to be Servet, even with it. If it's with Doi 
and um, and and uh, and Bar at centre back, but you need a striker. You can play Bukalagis and Huang in midfield. Hell, Pepe might have, be a revelation in preseason. I don't know. Retsos might be a revelation in pre in preseason. <laughs> I like, but there's but, no revelation. But up me. front, you don't have players up front. You don't like El Arabi cannot play this system. Costulas is 16 years old. And here's the thing, my friends. Like you said, that do you buy a average good striker now? And then avoid, you know, you know, you we need two strikers. We can get two strikers this summer. We can get yeah. one now and sell El Arabi, who's apparently talking to clubs in, in Morocco and, and uh the Arab world. Sell El Arabi, bring in a striker now, and then see if there's gonna be a Bakambu type opportunity end of August, beginning of September, that you can sign up depending on whether we've made it to to Europa League. Uh, Greg Sinanidi is saying, where the F is uh, is Dimitris Pinakas? Uh, I, I don't know where Pinakas is. I, I don't I think, think I saw him in Nalu as I was driving south, you know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Having a cheeky beer and hookah. No, not going to. He's not, but, he's not with the team. Yeah. He's not with the team. Um, of course not. I, Aris B is also asking, is Kane in preseason? No, he's one of the six, I think, players that are going to be training alone from the 6th of July. So the team leaves on the 5th to go to Austria. You guys should hear this, this stuff about the players training alone. Some of these guys, it's so funny. They just, uh, they have no idea. They just called them and they're like, oh, show up G- July 6th in PDA. They're like, what am I going to do on July 6th? They're like, we don't give a shit. Just show up. Like, isn't that insane? If you imagine, if you're Dabo or Kane or I don't remember who the other ones are, but like the club is just like, yeah, we'll see you July sixth after everyone else has left, and you can just train here by yourself. It's got to be like the worst feeling in the world. Anyway, that's what happens when you have fifty player roster, man. Like at the yeah. moment, at, at the moment there are twenty two players um, training with the first team. I think. Five or six of them are from the under-19 or under-23 team. And there are eight coming back tomorrow. So that takes the total to to 30 players. And then there are those six that are going to be training alone from the the 6th of July. Henry on Yakuru, by the way, seems is finally going to be activated. The, The option clause. We, you know, it's, it's it's insane. Like they had a supposed obligation to buy, and their president said, "Oh, maybe we will trigger it." Um, reports in Turkey suggesting now that that's going to go through. So that will put three and a half million in the coffers. Uh, another reason, guys, that transfers have been slow. We mentioned this on socials. Is there is a financial fair play element here? There are two key deadlines when it comes to financial fair play. One was on the thirtieth of. Uh, of June and there's another one on the 15th of July. Um, those are all related to expenses of the the last fiscal year. So there, there, there's something there as well. It's not been something that's been uh, spoken or written about in in mainstream media, but that is something to to take into consideration um, as well. Next deadline being the the 15th of of July. So th- there's a question as well from Gostas uh, 23. 
are we totally sure no transfers before Wednesday? Well, we can't be 100% sure. And if, you know, in my my view is that if any moves made before Wednesday, it could be, could be a striker, in my view. I think that's really, for, for me at least, that's number one. Like, do you agree with that? Yeah, it has to be a striker, honestly. And it has to be, yeah, maybe it's a free transfer. I don't even know who they would go for. Um, also, this financial fair play and money management and salary thing is something you won't hear in the media, but is something that is important. I'll leave it at that. No need to say more. Costas so. uh, uh, says Maxi Gomez fits a lot the type of play Martinez uh, favours. Uh, Maxi Gomez, Uruguayan, He's been capped with the Uruguay national teams playing for Trabs on Sport. I think he's 27, is a good, good age. Uh, scored seven or eight goals last season for Trabs on Sport. Was at Valencia before. He's been in La Liga for a while. Um, there's some rumors also about Trabs on Sport wanting Zinkanago. They wanted Masuras last season. Uh, Olibiagos isn't really a club that makes uh deals with exchanging like philip's not going to fucking traps on sport yeah i can't see that is not going to there is no way they're not in europe either are they no there's no way that is i let's if that happens i'll be very if he goes to turkey in general i'll be very surprised just leave it at that anyway um, some other interesting points being raised now about um, <laughs> Abu Bakar Kamara, Thrillers Global. Hi, guys. Uh, you guys are up early. Was it 7.15 over there now? Good morning, guys in Australia. Thrillers Global. Go and check those guys out as well. Uh, man, after the shit that he pulled in the, the last game against us where he nearly, you know, he tried to fight our entire bench. I think he he burnt that bridge. Um I know Marshall has an opinion on this one. Like, you know, he didn't really have a preseason last season. He came and he was injured and he was unfit. It's over for him, man. Like, do you do you gamble on that? I think, you know, he, he burnt his own bridge. Like, he made his bed and now he's, you know, he's going to be training with the bulldozers on the 6th I of joked July. about this. Honestly, I... The, the thing is... I, when we did our keep loan, I surprisingly said you need to keep him because you have nothing else. And we still don't have anything else. So I'm banking on us making a signing because if no signing comes, it's going to look bad if El Arabi pulls his hamstring in the third preseason game and you do not have a fucking striker, right? That's like the nightmare scenario. The guy's 37 years old. He's He's always been slow to start in preseason yeah. like can we say that he's always yeah. been slow to start um like what if el arabi picks up a knock and isn't ready for servette it's like the nightmare you know so but so what do you do what do you see. do then uh because hang on there's a comment here look at my eyes dc he says arda guler is 18 and look at him now why everyone underestimates 16 year old costulas academy players need to be given chance I, I don't disagree. Like, I would Screw love it. it. Yeah. But, 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 like, even if El Arabi gets injured, do you think we go with Costulas up front or do you see Bell going no. up front? No, like, no, no, no. This is solely Bell's. Let's be real. Exactly. Right? The answer to also, that is. Also, millions of euros are at play 
Olympiacos won't play a youngster against La Mia at home after winning the title. They're going to play a young striker when 20 million euros is on the line. Does anyone believe that? No. So let's wake up from that. that I, I do really hope that this kid gets a chance. Um, I do too, we know, but... we, we, we know that things in the academy are running a little bit different now with, with an ego and the French guys that he's brought in. And, you know, he's he's been the one that's spoken specifically about Costulas and Muzakitis by name, like in an interview like on Greek TV. So, you know, look out for those guys and we need to we need to manage them properly. Um, Spiros with a comment, I think Maxi Gomez will be the average quote unquote striker for now. And, and at the end of August, we'll buy a better one. I, I kind of have that feeling maybe as well, but it looks like they're asking for about four to five million for uh, Maxi Gomez. I think they signed him for three and they definitely want to recoup that money. You should also bear in mind that uh, Mark Bartra is also a Trabzonspor player, um, former Spanish international, played for Barcelona, played for Dortmund. Um, he's also wanted by by us. So I, 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 I don't know. I have a feeling we're going to read about another striker tomorrow in the press. You heard it here first. I'll probably read some other names in the front pages. Uh, Costadino Steph says Zinc will go to Pedro Martins in Qatar. I very much doubt that. Um, Kitsos, some people are asking about Kitsos as well. Um, Kitsos may be tied to financial fair play, but you didn't hear it here. Um, there, there's some mechanisms at play here with salary and with transfers that I think none of us understand right now. But some things, some levers, as they say in Barcelona, are being pulled. I think the Kitsos one is a way of working around it. Like they sold him or gave him away, but there's a clause basically saying next year we're going to take him back, right? So um, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm not sure what to make about it. But also for striker, I, I thought about this too. Three Los Global asked about what do you think about a Greek international at Olympiacos like Pavlidis or Yakumakis? I was also thinking about this um, when we were thinking, wow, we need a cheap striker. We need someone fast. I was trying to think, like, is there a Greek striker or a striker in the league um, who you would take, you know, like, who, is there a striker right now in the Greek Super League for a lower team? And you'd be like, okay, screw it. Let's take him. No. There's no one. There's no one. No. There's no one. I was thinking last year you have like Van Fert or whatever. Some yeah. years you have players like Manos or Dervishai or Duvikas. When he, but last season there was nothing. So yeah. Duvikas, Pavlidis, Yakumakis are way too expensive for Olympiacos now. Um and there's no I wouldn't really take. I wouldn't league. even take Yakumakis. I wouldn't even take Yakumakis yeah. is for pushing a tractor, man. Like it's not. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. Like on the contrary, I quite like Pavlidis, even though I think he's been a bit mediocre for the national team. Like he's been banging goals at, at Alkmaar, uh, but they're they're way out of our league um, in terms, like financially yeah. speaking, uh, has to be said. He's making good money in Atlanta, like. Uh... He's like a Vezenkov, baby. He's making that tax loophole money. So, um, there's uh, a question about FFP from from next year. So I'm gonna. Adi, I think Adi asked 
answer the question in the comment. Yeah, so I actually have this. Um, we tweeted out that by the 2025-26 season, clubs will not be able to spend more than 70% of revenue on employee benefit expenses. While this past season had no restrictions, the upcoming season, so this season, will see us only allowed to spend 90% of revenue on, on wages. And then that will go from 90 to 70 in 2025. Hmm. Whether those rules apply to Manchester City, uh, Paris Saint-Germain and uh, Real Madrid, I don't know, but they'll definitely apply to us. Um, so so there's an answer to your questions here for 91. He, he commented as well. He said, three straight seasons of oh, equity yeah. injections with three straight loss seasons of losses. UEFA, FFP, look at three-year balance sheets. Yeah. And regarding yeah. Kitos, he's uh, he he says it clearly. Better believe it's tied to tied to the wage cutting and FFP as well. So, yeah, lots I mean, of I, lots of players need to go. I mean, you know, it, officially it's a two year deal for Kitos, but I think one way or another we've kept some kind of this is this I, is some I, Greek shenanigans with the presidents. It's like an atypical agreement that we have a first option for him to come back after two seasons or possibly come back next summer. After I, I don't know. Yeah. There's nothing official on that, but you can read between the lines and yeah. you, you heard our opinions on, on the Kitos issue as well. Okay, guys, well, we're, we're about an hour through the show now. Uh, we've talked basketball. We've talked a bit of football as well. Um like and subscribe again, guys. Uh, what else do we got? Transfer rumors. Everyone wants to talk about bloody transfers. Um, of course, it's the summer. It's that time of year. Um, There's no real rumors. Like, what are the rumors, man? Like, I Samuel Titi's name is back. Yeah, I look at like I listen to like Stamatelusan, and it's like literally like let's just pass the time, you know, on the radio. There's just nothing. I think Umtiti's name came up because he was linked last season. Yeah, he's and a free agent like, now. He's, he's a, a free, free agent. agent. He's left-footed. And they're like, okay, screw it. Like, throw his name in there. Um, maybe they're seriously looking at it. Um, but yeah, let's see. I I don't. I have no idea. So who? But I think the the Bartra the the Mark Bartra Batra Bartra rumors are strong. They seem yeah. to be one sticking around. The Maxi Gomez one is sticking around. Um, I'm the other Spanish no ones I don't buy. A, the other Spanish yeah. ones I don't buy. I'm also wondering about. There's nothing about any six. You haven't seen any rumor about a six. It's like Aquaku, the Betis Ivory Coast. The one I was telling you about is a foreigner. I don't. Yeah. I can't see it. I think. I think we're honestly going just. Have the president pick up the phone and uh, and call the president of Nottingham Forest and bring in Froiler from Forest, president to president. That's your six. I, I, and if you can't do that, make the call to John Joe Shelby and bring no, him in. No, that's, that's when I leave. That's when I leave. Please no. Please no. 
Wasn't he tapped as the Steven Gerrard replacement back in the day? Oh, God. Oh, dude, please, no. Please, <laughs> no. I can't. John Joe Shelby will be a nightmare. I'm pulling my hair out just thinking about it. Okay. Like, could you imagine He's we in- sell Huang for 15 million on deadline day or like end of August? And then, you know, news, breaking news, Sky News, John Joe Shelby signs for the Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I, 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 I won't be able to handle that. I really won't. Also, I, I, also I'm still I despise surprised. that player. I'm still surprised there's no rumors of Scarpa coming back, Kirk coming back, coming to Olympiacos. I think later in the summer there could be some I, cooking. I, I can't see it. Like Fortuny, Zinkanago, Biel, Agibu. Like yeah. you've got players in and around that position. Like, but it's just so funny. People gave a shit about this, but. He came to Forest, and they're like, "What the fuck do we do with this guy?" Like, it was so they've clear. Got, they've got Ouija Wine going back to Forest, by the way. Ouija. Oh my god, and Bowler, Bowler. But it's just, just so funny. People are like, "Oh, Scarpa definitely signed by by Forest in the plans." Like, what bullshit? That was. Anyway. You know, you know. I'm I'm glad you brought up Remo Freuler because I remember when the season was ending and they stayed up. I thought, let's have a look at that Forest squad and look at some of the names that might be linked this summer. And we know for a fact, like, Remo Freuler was on the Forest. Um, he was on the, let's say, the the, the target list from the Atalanta yeah. games. Yeah? yeah. So we know that the Olympiacos scouting team and the, the hierarchy likes the like player. Him. Yeah. yeah. It, and he didn't really do it for Forest last season. He got a good yeah. stretch of back-to-back games from January to March, and then he was not he was not starting for them. They started playing with Mangala and um, Danilo in midfield, and um, and the Forest Academy player Ryan Yates it was Yates Yates Mangala and Danilo. Freuler wasn't That's playing it. at the end of last season. Yeah. He would he would be brilliant. He'd be brilliant. He's like close to that kind of Guillerme metronome kind of six. That would be, yeah. you know, I'd take that on a one-year mm-hmm. loan. No issues. Like, bring it. That would be a fantastic move. Mm-hmm. Anyone watching from the Olympiacos board, like, try and do something about it, guys. Like, get Remo yeah. Freuler over. Seriously, yeah. All right, well, uh, we have a poll going as well. We asked you, do you think we can qualify for Europe with the players we have now? Um, if you haven't voted yet, get in there right now. 47% of you say yes, 53% say, say no. That's for European qualification. <sighs> what else have we got? Um, just looking through Not the comments. Like we say, Cordon has not given us much uh, on content. So no, but do you know what? Like, um, I, I, I personally like. I don't have an issue with it. I think that I he, he he also. I think he needs to keep his cards close to his chest and be careful. I think we've made enough mistakes, particularly last season being trigger happy with signings last season uh, this time last year, we'd signed players like Gonzalo Avila 
Sime Versalico. Mm. Those were the AK forty seven. Those were the kinds of players that were coming in. Denis Aliyagic. Mm. Where are they? Yeah, so I'm I'm personally okay with the uh, more cautious, smart approach. And and for fuck's sake, like one one thing I will say is that okay, nobody needs to reread Cordon's biography. Uh, you know where where he's worked. Um, Navarro, his assistant as well, who was the head chief scout at Betis, and he was a scout at Sevilla before. Like these guys. No, it's a nice. They've made some nice, some nice signings, some nice football they've played. Yeah, the 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 one thing that may worry me uh, a little bit is the fact that do these guys really know where they landed? That's because it's like yeah. they're operating like they're working in a La Liga team in a, in Spain, but this is Greece and. You can't mm. attract players like uh, you know the ones that we're going on that Dardel, like now. Maybe if he hasn't found anything by the end of August, maybe you can go in for him and have a realistic chance. But uh, that's the only slight thing that I, I, I I'm cautious about is that have these guys really understood like the differences here? That might be a steep learning curve for them, but. I I'm tending to be on the optimistic side that they're working in the shadows and things will happen. And I guess the next milestone now is to, is, is to see who's in the list of players traveling to Sp uh, to Austria. Yeah. Do, do you think we're going to have any cuts or any surprises? Surely there's no cuts in three days, though the decision will be already made. No way Diego Martinez brings in, Joao Carvalho and he says okay you're cut after I saw you do some dynamic stretching for two days you know like there's no way decisions are made like that so so you think players um, like Joao Carvalho and Pepe will go to Austria they what I think will happen what could happen is they'll say oh they've been cut but they were decided before they were cut maybe so yeah, it's like it's like this thing that we were talking about last year is that do you do you decide to cut players um that you could sell and if you decide to cut them then they're not in the window like their yeah. teams can't see them but then you yeah, bring so you, them and you take them to preseason see them in the friendlies maybe give them minutes if they deserve it in the qualifiers and then a club can see them and say he's an active player he's been in preseason if you leave them and they're not even training with the team then you know that decreases the market value as well and we want the market value to be high um so i i have a feeling you also that don't want dead bodies around you know you want to make a good climate you want to make you don't want like dead bodies who are like they're gonna get rid of me what am i doing here i don't want to be here you, you you don't want the dead bodies as well. I've always said that, you know. So yeah, you have to balance it somehow. Like so, if you're bringing Joao Carvalho and Pepe with you, um, some of you guys may disagree with this, but they need to believe. Like, if I play good and prove myself, I'm gonna stay. They can't be brought just to be brought, because then they're gonna be 
pouting and then they're going to be ruining the atmosphere. So if these guys come, they can't be dead bodies. They need to be like, I'm, I'm going for a roster position as realistic as that is, who knows, but they can't go just to go in my opinion, because that's also dangerous. Um, and, and, and back to the general point, I, the only worry I have about Cordon and Martinez is what I worry I have a lot of people when they come to Olympiacos is are they being a little too green? Like you said, are they being a bit too naive? And this thing of signing players in August, that's when the good deals are. The fact is, and I don't know if Cordon and Martinez have dealt with this, but when you have the qualifiers in August, you kind of want the body of the team that you're going to go into the season with made in those qualifiers. Because if you win all of the qualifiers and you make the group stage, that launches your season. We've seen it so many times where the confidence you take from these qualifiers, you win the games. Like you look at that Martin season 2019-2020, and I swear the confidence that the team won in those qualifiers drove it to be the team that it became. Like these these games can launch and make a season. And I don't know if they understand that yet. So that's my one worry. But I have faith. Even if, look, even if we go out versus Servette, which I really hope doesn't happen, um, we're going to just have to trust the process because shit is still fucked, right? Like, let's not forget last season. You know, like this isn't, we're not all, flowers and roses now like last season was a nightmare that doesn't end in three months so yeah no it. and as somebody pointed out earlier this manager's on a two million a year contract he's not um he's not pedro martins that came in on 500k or 350k or whatever it was and he's not um he's not corberan either who was in on a on a small contract it's got him on a big contract um obviously we want to hope that if it's said a bet we play because it's not for sure could be bruges but oh, sorry genk likely genk. is it's genk are going to beat Servet. we think um let's see at least we should we should get conference league football um this is another issue we've talked about on the show i have no problem if we play conference league football i think it could be better for us this first season first season's always building up to the second season i'm looking at this more from a long-term perspective um anyway that's maybe a conversation that we can come back to another time you got something to say also, to let me just say the, the difference between servette and gank Servette or is worth maybe 22, 23 million euros on transfer marked. Genk is around 130 million euros, I think I read. Yeah. The difference is is big. Yeah. And also I want to read something. We spoke um with some people in Spain. Um, and when Diego Martinez signed, um, a guy said he's actually one of the better young coaches, Spanish coaches around these days. And there are quite a lot of Spanish, good Spanish coaches these days. Like the fan base should be quite happy. This was Diego Martinez is a good pull for Olympiacos. So, uh, well, what one of the journalists that we spoke to in Spain said that it was a steal. Yeah. 
It was a steal with his words. So it was like Martins. He was ready to launch to the Premier League and bigger and better. And then the Espanol job killed him. You know, it was like Martins was ready to launch something and that last year killed him. So yeah, it can happen in football and he gets a reprieve anyway. Well, like you say, trust the trust the process. Um, you always need a bit of luck. I remember that first season when you know we got Burnley, I think in the playoffs of the Europa League, and it started with a Fortunis free kick at home that kind of opened the I think opened them up, and we won three yeah. 0 in the end. Um, so you, yeah, luck is of course always always a factor. Mm-hmm. Every new coach new personnel they need a bit of luck coming into this situation i think we've had plenty of it go against us maybe it's time that the pendulum swung the other way finally and you know that requires us to make good decisions too of course um rsp just uh tackling a few more comments um Radjilovic is one of the six players that won't be traveling to preseason, so he'll be training with um the bulldozers ready from the 6th of july um Christos is asking about Umtiti. We talked about him a little bit earlier. It's probably one of those names that's being linked because we were linked with him last summer too, and we're looking for a left-footed centre-back. He played around 30 games for Lecce last season, so he didn't have any major injury issues as he's had in the past. He played a full season, uh, but that's only, only Serie A, so he didn't play any... European games, it was just domestically focused. But um, we'll see. It's still very early on. The transfer window officially opened yesterday. So we've still got a long way ahead of us. But I think I think we're going to draw this one to a close, Labro, unless you yeah. something else to add. No, I don't have anything. Quadrado, uh, Alex is bringing up um, Juventus winger 35 years old yeah he's been linked we read that in the press who knows who knows we read about quadrado i you know the fact that he's 35 doesn't turn me off particularly though i haven't seen him play much recently so 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 i don't know um, i don't want any big name over 35 years old or I can't do it again, man, with fucking Versalco, Marcelo, James. I I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, when we when we close up, I'm going to go and have a look at how many games he actually played for Juve last I season. I don't care. I just don't want anyone over 36 years old or 35 again. Like, I, I, I can't take another BAM. I can't. Thank you. Scarmanga is with me. Olympiacos needs to get younger yeah. and faster, says Mr. Scaramanga. Thank I'm you with for you your completely. Comment. I think that's the perfect way to end the show tonight. Thanks very much, ladies and gents, for for tuning in. Oh, and we've got you know the, the, got our got our boys on the ground ready. Forty-seven games, Quadrado played for Juve last season, apparently. Okay. I don't think he really fits into the Marcelo or James Rodriguez category. No, no, no. He seems fit. He seems fit. But I just, regardless, I just don't want to do this anymore. Big salary. Yeah. 
But guys, thanks very much for tuning in tonight. Uh, we've gone on almost an hour and a half. Uh, like if you haven't done so already, last chance to do that before before you leave the live stream. Hit that like button. It takes less than a second and it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a donation, by the way, please feel free to do that as well. We love having those and reinvesting it back into, back into the pod. Um, like and subscribe. Hit the bell so that you don't miss future episodes we'll be back for sure next sunday uh, as as always until then guys have a lovely evening good night good morning to those of you that are waking up in in australia wherever you are we are gate seven international by the fans for the fans we'll see you next time Got the